0: You ever feel confident of yourself in what you've done, what you've accomplished, proud of that fact? Well, stick around. Pastor Leighton Sheetley here on Study Verse by Verse returns us to our look at a message called What is Being Poor in Spirit? You need a pride check? We've got one for you. It's found here in the book of Job. we will go rather quickly today, so hang on. Here's Pastor Layton Sheely from Church of the Highlands right here in San Bruno with today's broadcast of Study, Verse by Verse.
1: To be poor in spirit is to recognize one's spiritual poverty apart from God. It is to see oneself as one really is, lost, hopeless, and helpless. The poor in spirit are those who recognize their total spiritual destitution And their complete dependence on God. They perceive that there is no saving resources in themselves and they can only beg for mercy and grace. Their pride is gone. Their self-assurance is gone and they stand empty-handed before God. The recognition of spiritual poverty is genuine, not an act. God stands against the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Isaiah warns the Lord Almighty has a day in store for all the proud and lofty, for all that is exalted. They will be humbled. I will punish the world for its evil, the wicked for their sins. I will put an end to the arrogance of the haughty, and I will humble the pride of the ruthless. Jeremiah wrote, "'See, I am against you, O arrogant one,' declares the Lord, the Lord Almighty. For your day has come, the time for you to be punished." The writer of Proverbs declared, "'These six things does the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination to Him.' A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that are swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. The first of those seven things that is an abomination to the Lord is a proud look. Proverbs says, one that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Malachi said, Surely the day is coming, and it will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble, and that day that is coming will will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them. Being proud is an abomination before God, but not being poor in spirit. What is being poor in spirit? Well, one of the oldest books in the Bible was written concerning the life of Job. Job was a decent, God-fearing man. And the Scriptures tell us that one day Satan was visiting with God, and God said, You see, my servant Job, how faithful he is and how faithful he is in worship. And Satan replied to God, Of course he is. See how much you blessed him with. Now, if you were to take away all of his blessings, he would curse you. And God said, Well, let's see about that. And so within parameters... God allowed Satan to torment Job for a period of time, and Job's discomfort was severe and protracted. His family and friends were not too supportive either, and eventually he complained to God that his situation was not fair, as though God is someone with whom we can negotiate. Now in chapter 38 of Job, And following is the Lord's reply to Job, and if I could suggest to you, you might want to make a note in Matthew chapter 5, 3 to reference Job, and specifically 41, um, 42, 5, and 6, but let's read what precedes those verses. This is the Lord speaking. "'Then the Lord answered Job out of the storm, and He said, "'Who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge?' Brace yourself like a man, I will question you, and you will answer me. Okay, Job, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. By the way, if you denote a little bit of sarcasm, it seems to be here. Who stretched a measuring line across it? Or what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and the angels shouted for joy? Job, who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness, when I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place, when I said, this far you may come and no farther, here is where your proud waves halt. Job, have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place? that it might take the earth by the edges and shake the wicked out of it. The earth takes shape like clay under a seal. Its features stand out like those of a garment. The wicked are denied their light, and their upraised arm is broken. Job, have you journeyed to the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? You know what God was asking Job? Have you taken a walk on the bottom of the Pacific Ocean, walked in the recesses of the deep, Have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the shadow of death? Job, have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. Job, have you visited every corner of this earth? What is the way to the abode of light, and where does darkness reside? Can you take them to their places? Do you know the past of their dwelling? Surely you know, for you were already born. You've lived so many years, Job. If you haven't picked up the sarcasm by now, God speaking to Job. He was using sarcasm as a way of communicating. Have you entered the storehouses of the snow or seen the storehouses of hail, which I reserve for times of trouble, for days of war and battle? And Job, where is the way to the place where the lightning is dispersed or the place where the east winds are scattered over the earth? And who cuts a channel for the torrents of rain and a path for the thunderstorm to water a land where no man lives, a desert with no one in it, to satisfy a desolate wasteland and make it sprout with grass? Can you bring forth the constellations in their seasons? Job, have you pushed a star recently? Or lead the bear with its cubs? Verse 33, Job, do you know the laws of the heavens? I was watching a Nova special on uh, the 11th dimension string theory where they're trying to describe how the uh, rules or the laws of the universe hold things together. Do you know the laws of the heavens, Job? Can you describe to me how I wove the dimensions together? How about this question? Job, can you set up God's dominion over the earth? You remember the Bible is talking about God establishing His dominion, His kingdom over the earth from Genesis to Revelation? Job, tell me, can you accomplish that? How many people think that they are so important to God that He can't get along without them? Can you raise your voice to the clouds and cover yourself with a flood of water? Do you send the lightning bolts on their way? Do they report to you? Here we are, sir. And who endowed the heart with wisdom or gave understanding to the mind? Was it you, Job? And who has the wisdom to count the clouds? Who can tip over the water jars of heavens when the dust becomes hard and the clods of earth stick together? Job, do you hunt the prey for the lioness and satisfy the hunger of lions? Job chapter 39, do you know when the mountain goats give birth? You know, mountain goats, they, they live on those incredibly steep cliffs and jump from, from ledge to ledge, and it's almost an impossible place for men to get to. Job, have you been hanging around those cliffs? Do you watch when the doe bears are fawn? Do you count the months till they bear? Do you know the time that they give birth? They crouch down and bring forth their young. Their labor pains are ended. The young thrive and grow strong in the wilds. They leave and do not return. And then down here at verse 13, The wings of the ostrich flap joyfully, but they cannot compare with the pinions and feathers of the stork. What God is saying is, listen, we have I'm comparing two big birds here. But the ostrich can't compare with the stork because the stork can fly. And the ostrich can't. And then he goes on to describe the ostrich. She lays her eggs on the ground and lets them warm in the sand, unmindful that a foot may crush them and that some wild thing may trample them. She treats her young harshly as if they were not her. She cares not that her labor was in vain, for God did not endow her with wisdom or give her a share of good sense. And yet, when she spreads her feathers to run, she laughs at horse and rider. I remember seeing a documentary on television where I don't know that they ever did measure the maximum speed an ostrich could run, but it was 45, 50 miles an hour, something like that. Job, do you give the horse his strength? Or clothe his neck with a flowing mane. Do you make him leap like a locust, striking terror in his proud snorting, his paws fiercely rejoicing in his strength, and charges into the fray? He laughs at fear, afraid of nothing. He does not shy away from the sword. The quiver rattles against his side, along with a flashing spear and lance. In frenzied excitement, he eats up the ground. He cannot stand still when the trumpet sounds. But the blast of the trumpet, he snots, aha! He catches the scent of battle from afar. The shout of the commanders and the battle cry, Job, did you give the horse his strength? Does the hawk take flight by your wisdom? Does the eagle soar at your command? And then the Lord says in chapter 40, Will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? You have a contention? You have a problem with me? You want to correct me, Job? Let him who accuses God answer him. And this is how Job answered. I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. And the Lord is not finished. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of a storm. Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you will answer me. Would you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me to justify yourself? What God is saying is, is your opinion more important than mine? Do you have an arm like God's and can your voice thunder like his? Well, then adorn yourself with glory and splendor and clothe yourself with honor and majesty and unleash the fury of your wrath. Let's see what you've got. Then verse 15, look at the behemoth. And some people have asked me, does the Bible ever talk about dinosaurs? I mean, there seems to be a fossil record that some huge creatures lived at some time. Does the Bible make any reference at all? Well, you know, when I read this description, it sounds to me like a dinosaur. In fact, if I remember my dinosaurs correctly, it sounds like a brontosaurus or a supersaurus or whatever they call them says, look at the behemoth, which I made along with you, which feeds on grass like an ox. What strength he has in his loins, what power in the muscles of his belly. His tail sways like a cedar. His tail is like a tree. The sinews of his thighs are close knit. His bones are are tubes of bronze. His limbs are like rods of iron. He ranks first among the works of God, yet his maker can approach him with his sword. Can you make a pet of him? Job, can you do this? Who is able to stand against me? Verse 10 says, listen, if I created these creatures and I can make them pets and you can't control them, how are you expecting to control me? Who then is able to stand against me? And listen to this question, who has claim against me that I must pay? This God is asking in verse 11, do I owe anybody anything?
0: And of course, the answer is no, absolutely nothing. What a check on our pride, on our ego. We are to be before the Lord, humble in spirit, humble in heart. We trust you've been encouraged toward that road here today on Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Layton Sheely. To learn more about Study Verse by Verse or Church of the Highlands here in San Bruno, stop by our website, highlands.us. That's highlands.us. And then we'll see you back here tomorrow for our Friday broadcast of study verse by verse and another look at what it means to be poor in spirit.